Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. Well, hello, everyone. I want to welcome all of our locations as we begin our new series called Relationship Goals, and it's all about marriage. Now, <laughs> here's why we wanted to focus on this. We know that this is one of the most important relationships any of us will ever have. And so to start this series, we thought about, well, we got to talk about before marriage happens. we got to talk about being single. Now, it's always interesting to watch that as I've said that. Um, two reactions usually happen. One, all the single people go, really? We're talking about this? And some of them are probably, it's like first time in church and they're looking like you invited me today. <laughs> or if <laughs> you're dating and you invited that special someone and they're like, seriously, a marriage series? <laughs> now, the married couples in the room are like, oh, that's great. That is awesome. I don't need to listen to this. Now, hear me, okay? Hear me. This sermon is going to be critical to all of us because I think we have a struggle in our culture right now of learning to embrace and value this stage of life because I actually think it plays out in all of our relationships. Now, you may be thinking, Todd, I don't understand. Good. That's where I want you to be, because I want to begin walking through this and being able to go, okay, this is why this is important. So this is where we got to start. The first place to start is understanding the definition of single. So here you go. I want you to look at this. An individual person or thing, only one, not one of several. Now, I do understand if you were going to go look it up in Webster's Dictionary, there is the definition of one who is not married. I understand that. But too often, we focus on that definition and don't see this one. Because to me, there's actually some great things to this. An individual person or thing. Uh, to me, there's a uniqueness to this. We're all individuals. We're all made unique. And then the last part, only one, not one of several. There's a wholeness to all of us. You notice you're not born married. If you have to think about that, I'm sorry, but you are <laughs> recognize you are not born married. You're born single. So God recognizes this is his plan. He's like, this phase of life, being single, is where I want you to start. It's a critical phase. 
It's important. And this definition would tell you there's a uniqueness to it. There's a wholeness to it. God values it. But here's what we do. Too often, we will put the single word with also another word, alone, and make them synonymous. Look at this, the definition of alone, separated from others, isolated. See, that's the part that gets me, the separated from others, isolated. God never intended us to do life alone. He wanted us to do it with people. And so when we're in a single stage of life, or even in our singleness, God's going, you're not alone. First of all, you've got a relationship with me. On top of that, I want to I help you learn what it's like to have relationships with other people. And not just someone you're going to marry. Learn to have friendships. Learn to be a family. Learn all these things. Those are critical to understand even before you get married. And so we make these words connect and go, oh, if you're single, you must be alone. No, you're not. And I think we are so scared of this as a culture. So scared, because I could even say, there's those of you who are dating, engaged, married, and in the single part of life who feel this right now. Even though you have someone, you feel isolated. So this, there's something here that God is pointing. He's like, there's good to being single. There's no good in being alone. Kind of sum it up this way. This is the way I kind of put it. You can be single and healthy, but you can't be alone and healthy. You can be single and live a full life. Because I'm going to give you examples of people who have done it. But you can't be alone and be healthy. Because when you're alone, when you're lonely, when you're isolated, that's when things start to get pretty messed up. And I think, for all of us listening, I think there's been times in your life where, like, I've been so lonely, and that was one of the darkest moments of my life. And so I think there's something that we have to combat. We've got to fight this, defining the singleness as being alone, or just, def- just fighting aloneness, loneliness in our lives constantly. There's something that God is pointing out here, and so I want to give you some scriptures that help us understand where this this sermon is coming from. So look at this in Matthew. Here's what Jesus said. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I know if you've been in church, maybe you've just read the Bible a couple times, this verse is a very popular verse. And many people have summed it up, love God, love others. And so I've I've known this, I've seen it, many of you have seen it, but the critical part I think we forget is this part right here, yourself. Because I think what God is pointing out, and I think there's an order to this, is like if you're really gonna be able to love others and have great relationships with the people around you, what it's gotta start with is loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then you can be able to begin this loving your neighbor as long as you have learned to love yourself. Too often we rush into relationships hoping that by us loving someone else, it will fix us. We'll begin to love ourselves because someone else finally loves me. And I can tell you from doing a lot of premarital counseling and even marital counseling, 
That doesn't fix things. You've got to learn to love yourself before you can love other people. And I would even say, even before you can love yourself, you've got to know what love is like. You've got to feel the love of God in your life. So then it starts to change you and you start to go, I actually love myself. And then this love that's coming through you and understanding who you are, there's then this gift you're able to offer someone else in all of your relationships. And that is the ability to love them. So to me, I look at this, our single stage of life is actually the time, the most dedicated time we have to working on loving God and loving ourselves. Because here's, to me, a profound statement. And as I wrote it, and as God was giving it to me, I was like, whoa. How we deal with our singleness will determine the health of all of our relationships. If we cannot be able to navigate how to love God and to love ourselves, we'll walk into relationships and things will be all messed up and things will be going wrong and we'll be going, why is this happening? I don't understand why my relationships is falling apart. I don't understand why I can't make friends. I don't understand why my marriage is falling apart. I don't understand why every dating relationship seems to just fall apart. God, I don't get this. And he may be going, we need to work on you. I mean, you can try to blame everybody else. It may be you. And how we keep, and this is even past getting married and all of our relationships, there is this constant work we need to be doing on ourselves because it will affect all of our relationships. And so if you study the Bible, and this was the fun part for me, as I studied this, there are just things that God says over and over again that points to this understanding of valuing the singleness, vowing that you are an individual and wrestling with that first. Because look at this in Genesis. Then the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Catch that. He didn't use single there. He said alone. And I will make a helper who was just right for him. Now this is the creation story. God has created everything. He's created man and he's looking at me like, this is really good. This is very good. And then he looks and goes, ah, there's one problem with it, though. Man's alone. Adam's alone. He needs someone with him. Needs a helper. And so God created Eve for him. To where they're able to do life together. And so it's just, you see, just God looking at this going, mm, it's not good for people, humanity, to be alone. They need to be in relationship with each other. They need that. But then Jesus talks about it even more, and here's just the context of this. And this is from a different angle because Jesus never married. So his insight into this is very fascinating. He spent 33 years here on earth, did miracles all over the place, you can't tell me there wasn't a woman going, hey, Jesus, hey. And Jesus being like, no, I'm busy, I'm sorry. Like, there had to be that moment. We don't see it in Scripture. I would love to be able to see that. Be some good learning lessons on some levels for all of us. But it's not there. But you know that had to be that moment. He had to wrestle through that. 
So listen to his wisdom on this because it's, it's amazing what he gives to us. But to set the context, I've got to give you a little story. He's arguing with the Pharisees. They're talking about divorce. And by the end of the conversation, the disciples were there, and the disciples looking to be like, Jesus, is it better then for us not to be married? Is it just better for people not to be married in general? And Jesus' response, look at this. Not everyone can accept this statement. Jesus said, only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs, and some have been made eunuchs by others. And some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can't. Not everyone can accept this statement, that statement that the disciples have made. Is it better just for all of us not to marry? Jesus goes, no, 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 no. And, and even understand this better, because you may be going, eunuchs, like, help me, Todd. I, I had to look it up myself. Back then, it, they would use that figuratively just to be someone who is abstaining from marriage. He's made the choice, I'm not going to be in that kind of relationship. And so he's pointing out, now there are, are going to be those of us who will choose marriage because we can't accept the single life for all these years. But then he goes, but then there will be those of us who will say, I will be single. And he gives the different reasons, the last one being kingdom of heaven. And if you study Jesus' life, that was his focus. It was a focus on the kingdom of heaven. There was work that needed to be done. He needed to be the savior of humanity. And so he said, all right, I'm going to focus on this. Now, he did not live a lonely life. He had people around him constantly. He even seeked out relationships with 12 certain guys and be like, hey, I want you guys to follow me. He never did alone because his focus was discipleship. He wanted people to understand who his father was. And he spent his whole life doing that. And saying, that's what I'm about. He was never alone, but he was single. So I think God is pointing out, we need people in our lives, and I summed it up this way, whether single or married, God intends for us to do life with people. That's a reality. And we need to recognize that. I think there's even a challenging part to this of asking yourself, am I doing life with people? Whether you're married whether you're single, are you loving people? Are you loving God? Are you loving yourself? Are your relationships going in the right direction? Because I know this was something I struggled with. I think many of you will kind of relate because I look at this as like, man, these are, these are gifts that God gives us. The fact that we're able to have relationships, have friendships, be able to get married, be able to have all these things, these, these, they're gifts, but man, if these gifts are not playing out the way we want them to, man, we start turning real quickly on God, and instead of saying, them, thank you, we start making demands, saying, God, I'm still single. Why am I not married yet? Fix it. God, my friendships, I, <laughs> help me here. I don't understand why I cannot make a friend. And so, look at this. When we believe it is our right to have certain relationships, we'll turn gifts from God into demands of God. Ask yourself, have you done this? Well, right now, if you're honest, you're pretty angry at God. You're pretty bitter at God. 
because you feel like he hasn't answered what you've asked. And you're waiting. You're like, God, I won't do anything until you fix this. Making these demands. And to me, we got to make sure that we always see the different stages that God gives us as gifts. Because if we don't, we'll miss out on what he's trying to teach us. We'll miss out on experiencing the love, the joy, the happiness in those stages. Because we're too focused on God, fix these. Because I feel like I'm in a stage that stinks. I don't want to be in this stage any longer. And God's going, I hear you. But you and I need to grow in this stage before you enter the next stage. To help us kind of see this singleness as a gift, there's another guy I want us uh, to know about. His name's Paul. Uh, He is a critical leader in, in our faith and understanding just who we are as a church because he was the one that started the church on a lot of levels, especially to those who weren't Jewish. Because if you study the Bible, Peter was the one that started it for the Jewish uh, people, but then Paul got this calling from God like, hey, go reach people and start churches for the Gentiles. Now, if you study his life, though, what you'll find is that he lived a life where he was married for a time, but then he also lived a life where he was single. And so as I studied just kind of his history, here's what I found out. Some rules about Jewish culture. If you were 20 years old as a male and you had not been married yet, you were seen as that you had sin in your life. (laughs) I was like, whoa, that's intense. So then on top of that, I tell you that because Paul became a Pharisee early in his life. And to become a Pharisee, And to be able to vote on things, which is what a Pharisee was able to do, and vote on the law, and vote on certain critical issues, you had to be married, because that is how their culture ran. So there was this moment early in Paul's life where he was married. Then there came a moment where he changed his life, because he did not believe in Jesus. If anything, he fought against Christianity for the longest time. Then God gets a hold of his heart, totally changes his life. And in that moment, there's some period of time where either his wife passed away or his wife left him because of the choice to become a Christian. And then Paul, for the rest of his life, chose to be single. So you have someone who was married and then chose to be single for the rest of it. And he gave us some wisdom too on this. Look at this. But I wish everyone were single, just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God, of one kind or another. So I say to those who aren't married and and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried, just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. I love Paul's perspective on this because he goes, whether you're single, whether you're married, both are gifts. And one is not spiritually elite over the other. They're both spiritually important. He goes, both of these are gifts. I've experienced both. And so if I was going to sum up, okay, what is singleness? How do we define it? Simply this. Singleness is not about finding someone to love you. It is learning to love God and yourself so you can love others. That's why this is important. That's why we need this in our lives. Because if we don't, we'll enter into relationships, we'll enter into marriage and struggle 
and wonder why. Why are my relationships messed up? Because you're going, I want this other person to fix me. I need them to love me. And go, no, 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 no. You've got to learn to love God and yourself so that you can offer this gift to others. You can offer this gift of love. So as I was studying, there was some article that came across that I was blown away by because this article was like, hey, top things that couples fight about. And I was like, mm, know what these are, sex, finances, got it. And as I read the article, they were like, you're not, they said, you're not off on that, but actually the reality is that sex and finances are the top reasons for divorce. The actual top things that couples fight about are these things, look at this. Bad at communicating, don't have enough fun together, too busy, too insensitive or too sensitive, codependent. <laughs> so I looked at these, I was like, makes sense. All of these are issues that either the couple, both of them have, or one couple has and the other one doesn't know how to deal with it, or whatever the case may be, but these are more personal issues that we as individuals have to wrestle with. Because if we don't, and let's say you're bad at communicating, and you're going, it's your fault. I think I said what I was supposed to say. That doesn't go over well. If you're just constantly not making time for people in relationships or for your spouse, you're too busy. That's a personal problem. That's not, don't say, well, I've got to make all the money. I've got to, we've got to take care of things. I get it. But do you see how this is more, like, we've got to internalize these a little bit more and recognize maybe God is working on us to solve these instead of, oh, it's an us issue. No, it may be a you issue. Uh, there was a quote from one of the psychologists that I thought was great. Some people are in relationships to help fill a void or fix what they're lacking or what they feel insecure about. To all the singles, I think too often we're doing this. Rush into marriage, rush into relationships to help fill the void. Uh, to all the married couples, we're hoping our spouse can be our savior. Fix me, please. Because <laughs> I, I don't know how to fix this on my own. In church, I can tell you, I've, I've done enough counseling now if you go into relationships like this, it will hurt you because you're not working on yourself. You're not recognizing what God is trying to do in you and through you. So I believe this is where we've got to look and go, all right, what do I need to fix? And so for me, one of the things I recognize is my marriage is only as good as my singleness. And I had the toughest time realizing this. Because growing up, I was probably one of the most insecure people you'd ever meet. I put a good show on for you. I was very insecure. I constantly wanted people to believe I was good enough. I didn't want to fail them. I just wanted people to be happy with me. Constantly in that thing. And I thought, as I got older, I was getting better and better and better at it. I thought I had some confidence in it. And so I recognize looking back at my single stage of life, 
man, did I assume a lot of things. I assumed marriage would fix me. I assumed marriage was gonna help me get through this. I assumed these relationships would help me deal with these insecurities. But I recognized the real problem was is I was scared to face it. I was scared to go at this insecurity and be like, all right, I need to work on this. How am I going to work on this? Because it reared its ugly head, probably the worst, when I got married. And I remember <laughs> our first couple years, and I tell couples as I go through premarital with them this story all the time. Because to me, it helps me see the value of our singleness, but also how you've got to be working on yourself and marriage. And so I started off, Tina and I are married, and Tina's love language was acts of service. And we'll explain love languages later on. There's five of them, but it's acts of service. She loves when people serve her. My love language, words of affirmation, hence my insecurity sometimes. I need you to tell me how good I am. Okay, and so I love getting those words of affirmation. So I thought I was doing the loving thing by telling Tina how beautiful she is, telling her how amazing she is. I was like, man, you are great at so many things. And Tina would sit there and be like, that's great, thank you. And my hope was that she would turn it, like be like, (laughs) and she'd be like, okay. And then just, and I was like, man, that did not work the way I thought it was going to. And so that started off, and I was like, man, some just not figuring this out. And then there would be the arguments constantly. She'd be like, hey, um, I know it's your day off, but did you not see, like, the dishes or laundry or anything in the house that needed cleaned, anything? I was like, oh, well, no, I didn't. Um, and to be honest, if you just make me a list... I'll take care of it, because I don't see it the way you see it. And I thought that was solving things. And those of you who have been married for a while, (laughs) no, you're not. Um, You're not solving that at all. And so this, this fight just kept elevating to where it would have this, there are ugly times where we were just kinda getting mean at each other. To where she's like, why can't you just do this? Why do I have to tell you? Why can't you just see this on your own? And I'd sit there, why can't you make a list? It's not that hard. And just constantly going back and forth. And then it would start to switch. Why don't you just compliment me? Why don't you just, do you ever think I'm good enough? And it started going down this road that was pretty nasty. And it and it took me a while, and this was not because Tina just kept t- like, hey, we're going to get through this. Kind of No, actually, God was the one that kind of like eventually in my time with him said, hey, listen, you've got a problem. You don't know how to serve your wife. You don't know how to listen to her. And the bigger issue is your insecurities are keeping you from doing it. And at first, I got defensive. I was like, no, you're wrong. I've dealt with that stuff. God's like, no, you haven't. You haven't at all. Tell me one thing you've changed. You've been going here for two or three years and you've kept doing the same thing, hoping that would work, that would fix it. You didn't ask me, you didn't, do you see the problem with that? And it was an honest, brutal conversation. That's what I needed. 
God's going, you need to be able to handle the moments, maybe when your wife isn't happy with you, and learn to listen and learn to change your behavior. So in my own singleness that I had to wrestle through, I realized I've got to change my behavior. I now have doing the dishes on my phone as a reminder because I'll forget. I have cleaning the bathrooms once a week because I'll forget. And I've started there. And I'm trying to get better and better and better because I want my wife to know I love you. And it's not just going to be through words of affirmation. It's going to be through her love language, serving her. I had to turn off what I thought was right and listen to God and listen to Tina so then I could have this gift to say, I truly love you. Let me show you how I'm doing that. Because hear me, marriage won't fix your problems. It will expose them. That's what happened in my life. It exposed a real deep issue inside me that I needed to deal with. And I'm very thankful that God pointed it out because some of the things I regret is those fights. Those things could have been avoided if I would have worked on myself before I got married, before I walked down that road of saying and blaming her and doing all those things. That's why I say, hear me, marriage won't fix it. It will expose it. So start working on your singleness now, learning to love God and to love yourself so you can offer this gift of love to others. I go back to this statement. How we deal with our singleness will determine the health of all of, our, all of our relationships. So how do we do this? Here you go. Here's the relationship goal from this sermon. Maximize your singleness. Whether you're single right now, whether you're dating, engaged, married, maximize it. I know it may sound weird, but there is still a part of you, even if you're married, where you've got to work on yourself. So let's maximize it. Let's do the best we can. And here's the best part. God provides us. If we do this, here's the results that will come out of it. It says this in Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Those are the results if you maximize your singleness. You'll trust in the Lord. You won't depend on your own understanding and you will seek his will in all you do and he will go, that's the path to take. That's how you'll love this person. That's how you'll be a good spouse. That's how you'll be a good friend. That's how you'll be a good family member. So let's maximize it. So here's three things that will help you maximize your singleness. First thing is this. Stop demanding perfection from everyone. All right, to all you singles out there, <laughs> please stop demanding perfection from your future spouse, okay? We need to have grace for people. We need to be able to work with people because remember, God gave you a ton of grace. For those of you who are married, stop demanding perfection from your spouse and give them grace. When we demand perfection from somebody, that's when it gets dangerous, that's when, why we're not maximizing we're singleness because our focus is all about what we are getting out of this relationship. I need you to be perfect so I can experience some better things in my life. No, no, no. You work on yourself so you can offer this other person a better life. Here's the second part. Schedule time for personal growth. 
You need to put this on the calendar. You need to take time where you're going, okay, what are my issues? What are the things that I'm good at? And have a mentor in your life. Have someone who's coaching you through life because we all need that. That's why I always tell people, hey, we all need a counselor in our lives. We all need a pastor in our lives because there's going to be moments, there's going to be probably oftentimes where we go, I need to work on myself and I got to schedule time for it. I got to be willing to go, all right, this is so valuable to everyone around me and for me. I've got to learn to love God better. I've got to learn to love myself better so I can love other people better. So you got to schedule that time for personal growth. And then this is the last one. Every day embrace what God has given you. Every day embrace what God has given you. If you want to learn how to love, I go back to, got to experience God's love. We understand this with kids. If you ever want your kids to learn how to love someone, you have to show them love. It's not like they're going to figure it out on their own. We have to coach them. We have to teach them. And so every day we have to embrace what God has given us. So there's a passage that I think really does a beautiful job of showcasing this. So take a look at this passage. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Next slide. So I conclude there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. If we embrace what God has given us, think about the grace God has given us, the forgiveness, the love, the joy, the fact that we have a job, the fact that we have relationships, the fact that we are able to breathe today, if we just embrace those things every day, you see on here, we will be happy and enjoy ourselves. And I think there's too many of us who are just angry at life. And I wonder if it's because we haven't embraced God in a long time. And trust me, there are some days where this is hard. But some of the things that I do to make sure that I'm doing this every day is first thing, when I get up in the morning and as I'm taking the kids to daycare, we do a prayer together. And the prayer is all centered around the Lord's Prayer. Recognizing who God is. Being thankful for the things. And I get excited when my daughter prays and she lists off all these things that she's thankful for. I'm going, yes, we're getting it. We're starting to embrace every day what God has given us. And on top of that, I'd encourage you to write out your story and read it on a regular basis, what God has been doing in your life so you are constantly reminded. Take pictures of moments so that you can be, this is what God's been doing. This is how awesome life is. So where we fight this lonely feeling and instead learn to embrace our singleness that God has given us and say, God, thank you. So a question I want you to ask yourself, ask all of us, are you going to maximize your singleness? We need a church who's willing to do that. 
We need people who are willing to step up and say, yes, I'm going to work on myself so my marriage can get better. I'm going to work on myself so my future marriage will be better. I'm going to work on myself so my family will be healthier. I'm going to work on myself because my friendships matter. And I'm going to learn to love God because he loves me so much. That's where we need to get to, where we maximize our singleness every day and see how powerful it is. So I hope that you're willing to join me because I'm taking this challenge on and going, okay, God, I know I still need to grow. I still need to get better because I want to love people the best way that I can. I want to give them this gift. So I hope that you're willing to join me in this. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for being a God that teaches us this. May we learn not to be dependent even codependent on relationships. God, you made us. And you made us single to where we can learn to have a relationship with you and learn to experience what love is. And on top of that, God, we learn to love ourselves. But that doesn't mean we stay alone. God, we do life with people so that we can learn to love them in the right way. We can learn to love in such a powerful way. And not only that, other people will teach us how to love. But God, we need your help. We're a culture that is so scared to be alone. But I wonder, what if we really need that at times? Where we say, God, I just need you and me, and we need some time to work on things. Because I need to get better. Because I want all my relationships to be amazing. And that starts with me. There's no one else I can change. I can only change myself. And God, I need your help. So Lord, I pray that you would be with us. May we take this challenge on of maximizing our singleness. We love you, Lord. We pray all this in your name. Amen.